0: are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is May 10th, 2017, and I have no idea what happened with that intro, so we're just going to let that go. We're going to be a willow and you know just bend with it, flow with it, and be happy. <laughs> anyway, so tonight I am talking with an author who's written a book called "Save Free With Me, The Gift of Compassionate Medicine. And I'm actually very excited to talk with this person. And there's a few reasons why. One, I started reading up on, on her a little bit, and she's really quite good at this whole writing thing. I mean, seriously. You know, you can go over to her blog, and let me get the name of the blog real quick. Um, I don't know if the blog actually has a name. But anyway, if you go over to IreneAllison.com, you're going to see stories of courage, healing, and love. And her blog, it just like sort of sucks you in. That's what her writing is like. And she's writing nonfiction right now. We were talking before the show, and she's going. She's working on some fiction writing. She has a passion for that. But her nonfiction, just by looking at her blog, sucks you right in. And that is phenomenal. So you need to go check it out. It's IreneAllison.com. And that's who my guest is uh, this evening. So she'll be telling us all about her. Her new book, Stay, Breathe With Me, The Gift of Compassionate Medicine. And, of course, compassion, big thing for me. I just wrote a paper on this for my class, and I titled it Compassion-Based Behavior Change as an Alternative to Positive and Negative uh, Punishment. Because this is not the same as positive and negative reinforcement. So I was saying, well, we need to use more compassion. And so I wrote the whole paper on that. So compassion is a big thing to me. Um, I love studying it. And I was actually studying it in relationship to the vagus nerve. So the 10th cranial nerve in your brain and how that may influence or have an impact on uh, our ability to be compassionate people. So yes, this is in my head right now. I just submitted the paper yesterday, I think. (laughs) And so this is very timely. So I want to welcome Irene to the Backport Writer Program. Irene, how are you?
1: Well, I'm very good, and, Corey, I'm really excited to be here. And that was just fascinating listening to what you were discussing about the paper that you put together. You know, I think compassion is a huge question for us right now. Uh, I mean, it's always a question, but especially now, there are so many areas throughout the world and right in our own backyards where compassion would make a world of difference. So, And I think it's a topic a lot of people are interested in and interested in learning more about. So mm-hmm. the book that, that I was working on, and, and this was qu- uh, quite a big project because I put this book together with my mother who helped set up the first palliative care unit in Canada. And this is back in 1974. And that's just shortly around the same time the first palliative care unit was starting in the United States as well. And she had uh, spent her entire life dedicated to alleviating patient suffering and looking into the question of how to make it better for patients. Anyone suffering any kind of serious uh, incurable disease, anyone being in the hospital, how to make it better for them. And so when I was growing up, it, it was, I was growing up with stories from the hospital all the time. And that's a very interesting and sometimes very scary source of stories, of, of great stories. But it always gave me an interest in how could we make things better. So I spent a couple of years convincing my mother that you know this has to we have to get this down on paper the stories that she had her experiences we need to look at this and and really put a, as much effort as we could into putting a book together and so that's what we've succeeded in doing and it focuses mm-hmm. on the whole question of compassion in healthcare and the important piece in all of this is that medicine used to combine cure with care. And cure is when you can actually do something to cure something. But often we are dealing with situations where cure is not possible and we're looking at managing symptoms or managing an illness. And of course, uh, life is finite and we're looking also at end-of-life end of, end of life care but medicine used to combine the two elements of looking towards cure trying to find cure but embracing care at the same time and what's actually happened in modern medicine is there's been a whole switch over to aggressive medical technology and a very scientific approach focusing uniquely on cure, and if things can't be cured, well, they just sort of fall by the wayside a bit. They don't get the same attention. So our book is looking at how we can revive that care because it is part of medicine's mandate, and there is. Medicine does have a history of uh, care, and it's in palliation, palliative care which is the kind of care that's valid for anyone suffering an incurable disease, even if they're not actually dying, it's still a valid practice an art and a practice. And it's a very beautiful practice of of, uh, compassion in action. So that's really what the book is about.
0: I think what would be helpful right now is if you maybe um, define what that care is all about and maybe tell people, what you mean by compassion, because I think some people may confuse, say, empathy versus compassion, and one of the things you just mentioned was compassion is this action, uh, but let's yeah. talk about that a little bit more, the the action, and what does this type of care look like?
1: Okay. Well, just in very general terms, it's very important, that distinction you made uh, between empathy and, and compassion, because Often we can be empathetic and and we can feel sympathy for someone and feel how they're feeling. But compassion is when we're willing to stand in that space with them in their suffering and to move into an action. And that can be doing something very concrete. Um, It can also be something as simple as staying with someone, listening to them. You know, as they express their story, uh, as they share their pain. so the action there's a whole variety of actions that can be, but the whole notion is compassion is actually an action verb. It's doing something. It's not just sitting alone and thinking, "Oh gee, this is terrible, this is horrible." you know it It mm-hmm. actually has a very important uh, part, uh, active part to it. So in terms of palliative care, um, the way that it's currently considered in in our modern society is it's an idea of how to help uh, the dying, people who have less than six months to live um, and need help managing their pain, managing their daily life, uh, and all of the different elements that are combined. There's a real loss at every level uh, in this whole process. A person, a patient, loses their independence, their way of life, um, they can lose physical abilities, mental abilities, and they may also be confronting uh, pain so palliative care looks at all of those elements. It's a multidisciplinary approach that brings in the best that we know in medicine and, um, and also with the, the treatment, um, uh, treatment through drugs and other elements to help with pain, like hypnosis, uh, talk therapy, and all sorts of different elements. And it's all focused on the patient and the patient's needs. So here in palliative care, the patient really is central. And the patient works together with the caregivers, the doctor, the nurses, perhaps a medical social worker. And the family is also included in this. So it's really a community of caring. And the point that we make in in our book is that this kind of caring is valid not just for people at the end of their lives, but also for anyone who is suffering an an incurable disease who needs ongoing help um, and who could really benefit because, you know, I'm not saying anything that isn't already known, but when you... Get the kind of compassionate care that palliation offers. It helps to reduce your your stress, your anxiety, and your pain, and it Mm -hmm. makes it really makes things a lot better. Mm -hmm. And and in fact, I was reading recently that uh, the healthcare system in the U.S. is uh, there are people saying that palliative care is beneficial for people long before the last six months of their lives. So people Mm -hmm. are becoming more aware of this, and that's such a good thing because right now, as it is in our acute care hospitals, um, it's really not the best place to go if you need, you know, whole-person care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's a very stressful experience and and sometimes quite negative, although they do do a fantastic job at curing and fixing things that they can cure and fix. They do a great job Mm -hmm. at that.
0: Right. You know, it just, it reminds me of going back to a very, uh, and is not the best word for this, but it's the idea that we're a community and that we take care of each other. Yes.
1: yes. Yeah. I think um, I think it was Rosalind Carter. She has a great quote where she says, and I hope I can get it right, because I've just thought of it now. We are either uh, a caregiver or a caregiver person who needs care. Uh, We're giving care, we're receiving care, we will need care, or we have needed care. This affects all of us. It's it's a nice way of saying how it affects all of us. Um, and It's very much a community affair, uh, which makes it even more important today because often individuals are isolated in our society and they don't get the kind of uh, connections and help that they need um, when they're going through illness, and because we don't talk about this, it's a very quiet thing in our society, right? You're, you know, it's, illness is not something that's talked about. Death and dying is not something that's talked about. <laughs> it's in the closet. In fact, I think it's maybe the last great taboo of of our society. So people don't know. They don't know what to expect. They don't know what's available and what they can reach out for. Um, people often who have friends and family who are ill, they don't even know what to say. What do you say to someone? How do you be present mm-hmm. with someone in those circumstances? There's this. There's so much. It's a very very rich topic. And it's something mm-hmm. that really benefits everyone if we can talk about it openly, without shame and without fear.
0: There's well, a Well, interesting because it's thing. the one thing that it's the one thing that we know is going to happen. <laughs> no matter yes, what, you know? absolutely. But we don't to, we don't want to spend time thinking about it and talking about it because um, we we're scared of that. But that it's the I one know. thing we know is going to happen.
1: Yeah, it, it it's uh it's one of those things you put your your finger right on it. There's um, a wonderful joke. Uh, gee, I can't remember the person who to- who told the joke, but it's we have two great fears in our society. One is public speaking, and the other is death, <laughs> and that means. Because of the way these fears are and people are more afraid of public speaking, apparently, Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. means that uh, it, it poses the question, does that mean that we're really more afraid to give the speech at a funeral, give a eulogy at the funeral than to be in the coffin? Yep. So, yeah, so this is the thing. It's, it's, and of course, that's just a joke making fun of the whole thing. But if right. we look at our fears and talk about them and bring it out into the open, it often takes the fear away, you know, shedding some light on it.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. One of the things I was reading on your blog, I love your blog. I mean, I was just looking at it today. Um, and I well, thank really you. enjoyed it. it. It is so engaging. That, that's what I was saying at the very beginning. It's it just very engaging. You have that sort of style in the way that you write that just brings people in and brings the reader in. And you, one of the things I was reading about was um, your experience with your fiancé, kind of, yeah. if I'm recalling this correctly. And you were you must have been in some hospital or something where he was, but you had gone um, back to wherever your you were staying, and there was someone who was playing or watching a show that was, it was just annoying you essentially. <laughs> um, yeah. But it was a, 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 an article that you wrote for I think it was Tiny Buddha or something. So mm-hmm. hopefully, this is mm-hmm. sounding familiar. And it was two words or something. And I, I read yeah. that and went, wow, that's so true. Mm-hmm. You know, and so maybe you can share a little bit more about that experience with people.
1: Yes, well, that that was something. That was an enormous learning experience for me, and it's something that I went through in my life Uh, about ten years ago. uh, My husband and I had moved up; we became husband and wife, but first we we weren't. uh, When we moved up into the wilderness, uh, and this was truly the wilderness, Um, we, we were alone up there with the bears, you know. And uh, then my husband got quite seriously ill with um, a serious colon cancer. We were very far away from hospitals or anything else. So we were dealing with uh, some pretty urgent, uh, difficult, difficult uh, situations. So we had to go quite far away to get to a hospital. It was about 300 uh, 300 miles or so to the closest hospital. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Uh, we didn't know anyone in in that town so I was staying in this in the Easter Seal House which was right beside the hospital because my husband was going to be in in the hospital for about a week and I was really reticent about that because I was having all of this um, fear and anxiety about what my husband was going through what were we going to do we couldn't continue to live up in the wilderness as we were in his situation and and how are we going to manage all of this uh, and i didn't want to be in a group of people that i didn't know in the in this situation. often when people are going through difficult things, they tend to isolate themselves, and I think that's what I was mm-hmm. doing so i was um came home after um, my husband had had his operation, and uh, uh I was in a state of of deep concern because of issues that were coming up and because it looked like things had spread. And I was really in a bad state about it. So I walked back to the Easter Seal house. And of course, it was full of people. And it was like, oh, no, you know, (laughs) the last thing I want to do is be social. Uh, Anyway, uh, there was a uh, uh, sitting in the lounge, the TV was on. It was on quite loud on a comedy show, and I I just couldn't laugh at anything. I found nothing funny because I was in such a dire mood, and um, I kept looking over at this woman who was laughing her head off and, and really enjoying it. And I felt very annoyed, uh, and I thought, "Oh, this TV show is just it's so ridiculous." And you know, so I was making all these judgments in my mind about this, and I was really it was because of the mood I was in. And at some point she ha- there was a wonderful joke she was laughing so much and she turned to look at me and she must have noticed something on my face and she just switched the TV right off and she leaned towards me and she said the two words these two words that really are two words that can change things fundamentally she looked at me and she said tell me and it was so stunning because she turned her entire body towards me and she looked very deeply at me. This was compassion in action. I didn't know this person, but she could tell that I was suffering and that I had a need to share. Even though I didn't know that I had a need to share, she knew Mm -hmm. she could see it. And then she invited that and she made a place for that, for me to tell my story. And as... I did. People were coming in and sitting down and joining our little circle in in the lounge. And they all became, it was very respectful. It was a little circle of caring that was so respectful. And she listened to me and she held the presence. And it was a watershed moment for me because I'd been holding back all of this pain and suffering and anxiety and grief. And I didn't even know that I really desperately needed to share that story. Mm -hmm. I was so profoundly grateful for that woman who just moments before in my mind I was saying, oh, look at that silly woman (laughs) enjoying that ridiculous show on the TV. (laughs) And then she offers me this gift. You know, I never saw her again. That changed everything for me. It actually helped lift the burden. And it made me realize I'm not alone alone. All of us in that little circle there, we're all in this human journey together at different stages of it and facing different things. But our journey is what brings us together and makes us all human. And we address this aspect in the book, the book that my mother and I wrote, Stay Breathe With Me. We address that issue of being in that space with someone who has a need to share. And how we can offer care in, in those circumstances.
0: I think it's interesting that that story that you just shared with, with your experience with your fiance. It, it brings up two things to me. One was that we, for some reason, as humans, even though we're meant to be social creatures, even though compassion is part of our nature, we, when we feel this intense emotion of, loss or potential loss or intense fear, we isolate. It's like we, we just, mm-hmm. almost like a turtle, you know, let me duck, pull my head in and, and just sit here and, and be a turtle. And the other person in this scenario, her reaction, her the way she was coping and dealing with things was through humor. She was handling yes. it through humor. And there's so much research to show that laughter really is very healing, but she was cognizant of that and understood you weren't where she was, and she opened it mm-hmm. up for you. I mean, that, yeah. and that's, a, that's an amazing thing, that she was able to open that up and say, okay, you're not where I am. That's cool. Let let me open up the space so that I can work with you and help you maybe move a little bit further along on the path, because it's not a path mm-hmm. that's fun. And she probably already knew that. Yeah. So that's a phenomenal think- thing.
1: Yes, I think this was a woman who was amazingly emotionally perceptive and that she could see, without any words being expressed, she could see someone, and in this case it was myself, in need. And she was very generous in shifting over and allowing me, inviting me into that space, making a space for me, inviting me into it in a very caring way. And just allowing me to share my story, and you know, mm-hmm. I'm not the kind of person normally who would tell my story. To, <laughs> I'm very <good laughs> introvert, you know. So it's like, whoa, this me is too. a stretch. But so it was pretty <laughs> amazing. The fact what can happen when we make that space for someone and we invite them in? Well, it's that's another really good point, though. Beautiful.
0: You're mm-hmm. saying that you're an introvert, and I think you know this has been the news a lot in the last couple of years, introverts, extroverts, and all that thing. And introverts truly do have a hard time, and I'm one of them, sharing those sorts of moments, experiences. and we have to feel very safe in order to do that. And so it's very clear that this person, this is why I said your blog is phenomenal, because this person clearly made you feel so safe as an introvert that you could actually do that. And you did it not just with her, but the other people who came into that space with you that in your blog yeah. you describe as they're outside smoking cigarettes or whatever they're doing, and then they come <laughs> in. You know, I mean, that I, I truly appreciate that because I'm an introvert. I'm one of those people mm-hmm. who I don't share a whole lot of that stuff because I'm like, no, I'm the one who you share it with. I have a sign on my forehead that says, tell me anything. It's just there, it's like mm-hmm. blinking, blinking light. But I'm not usually that person who does the sharing. So I think that's amazing that this person was able to do that with you and for you.
1: Yes. And it truly it was truly a gift for me because I was actually able to sleep that night and I Ooh. really felt I could feel a lifting of a burden. And as you point out, it's very difficult sometimes for introverts to share things except with very trusted others, intimate mm-hmm. others. But otherwise, we, we will shut down. keep it. We have a very rich internal life going on, but we can mm-hmm. also stew in our own juices. And sometimes we need a helping hand to come out I'll of ourselves as well. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's very interesting. But this is, this is what is so powerful about opening up that space and about sharing our stories together and making room for everyone's story the 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 one of the most profound gifts that we have and it's linked to compassion is listening listening fully fully and deeply listening to another with an open heart is very profound mm-hmm. and we often don't think of listening as a gift but it is it is a gift to the person who's being heard and who feels heard and understood because all of us need that. All of us need to be, to feel that we are heard and understood. We all need to feel that we belong, that we're loved. And Mm -hmm. opening up and sharing our stories is definitely a way into that. And it's a way to offer compassion as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, it just applies to so many different areas, not just, so I'm more talking about now, but, I mean, as I mentioned, the, the paper that I was writing on behavior change, I actually was talking about um, how to change um, discipline programs in schools was really mm. what the paper is about. And, and uh-huh. so it applies to so many different areas, and just being able to listen to the other person and let them know, yeah, you're right here right now, and you're listening completely to them, and nothing else matters is <laughs> a big yeah. deal. You know, it's a really big deal to every single person. And I think it gets um, not ignored Mm -hmm. but devalued or undervalued a little too much, basically, Yeah, is what happens.
1: Well, there's a wonderful doctor who – he's the one who's behind creating the defibrillator, the very first defibrillator, a very well-known heart doctor in the United States, Dr. Lowne wrote a beautiful book, and uh, in that book he says, the quintessential failure of medicine today is not listening. Mm -hmm. And he talks Mm -hmm. in his book about the amazing changes he discovered with his patients. These were patients with heart problems. When he worked together, they worked together as a team, with him welcoming them to share their stories in our Mm -hmm. book we talk about someone who's ill is an injured storyteller and (laughs) inside that story lies profound wisdom for healing and for care so Mm -hmm. there's a lot there that that's really is so beautiful that we can we can work together and share to to help one another for healing for um, offering the kind of compassion that makes a difference to people and actually can impact their wellness, too. Right. So, yes, it, it's very powerful.
0: There was I, I read something the other day, and I can't recall exactly what it was, but this, it essentially came down to, it's talking about religion and, and uh, end-of-life type care. And this woman who was a nurse was being asked, you know, what kind of things do... Do you talk about, and the person was, that was asking her was assuming that they talk about religion, and she said, "No, we just talk about their family. We just talk about this, mm-hmm. that and the other thing. It, and it had nothing to do with prayer or religion. It had to do with essentially the person who was ill being heard and being listened yeah. to. I mean, that's essentially mm-hmm. what it come down, what it would come down to. And that's true in so many different circumstances. It's just listen to the person, let them say what they need to say because then they're, yeah. they're going to be able to be with you.
1: It's a very healing thing and it allows people to open up and to connect very deeply.
0: Mhm. Mhm.
1: Yeah. Now, yeah. I know I
0: need to let you get going because I know you have some things going on in in your uh, life over where you are right now. But before I do, I wanted to point out that I let people when they um sign up for interviews, they go to Calendly. Uh, dot com, which is what I use for my interview scheduling and all of that. And you have been one of the most detailed people when it came to responding to the questions <laughs> that I have there. You re- And I really, I'm not kidding when I say I truly appreciated it because you, you took time and, and I know when I, when I'm encountering someone who's a really good writer and a thinker, and that was what was happening here. And one of the things that you said was you were talking about what I said, what lessons have you learned in your industry? Mm-hmm. And yep. you were saying that you know when you feel passionate about a topic and it's challenging, you know, and like this one, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. you need to loo- use a little humor. Sometimes you need to find a less threatening approach. And I think that's a very that's, great thing to mention to people, um, mm-hmm. because there are there are nonfiction writers who listen to the show and they have hard topics, you know.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's finding a cool. bridge. Yes, it's like finding a bridge and opening up to what it is that people... Because we all have these experiences, either directly, uh, you know, if we're looking at death and dying, we all have friends or family who have died, we have experiences in the hospitals, or we have fears. Maybe we don't know anyone yet who's died, but we have fears about it, you know? And so everybody has some aspect. Uh, People know what it's like to be ill and to go into the hospital. So sometimes it's a question of in this particular case talking about this issue is a question of finding the bridge and what people want to share and, and just making it comfortable for them and that can lead to the most amazing things we're having what's called a death cafe here regularly at our library once a month and this is the library serves tea and coffee and cake and they, um, we sit around in the small groups and just share what we're thinking about in terms of this issue. And it's just a chance for people to open up and share. And there was one time there was a man who was there. He said, oh, my wife dragged me here. I didn't want to come. I don't know why I'm here. And then he shared this most amazing story about losing his own father. And that opened up something for another man who was in the group that resonated very deeply with him and allowed him to move into a space that he hadn't quite accepted about his own father's death. And these people didn't know each other. It was very just an informal setting at the library, but just through that storytelling place, it was so profound. So this is the whole thing about if you open up and allow people to share back, rather than trying to tell them what they should think and what they should do. No, it's not about that. You know, mm-hmm. just by opening mm-hmm. the
0: space, yeah, and welcoming. You know, it's funny because you say it's the opening space and all of that, and then the next question I ask um, people is, "What marketing tips do you have for other authors mm-hmm. and that sort of thing?" And what you're just saying really dovetails nicely into that because <laughs> you're one of the things you said had to do with, you know, what what works essentially. I'm going to paraphrase: what works for somebody else may not work for you, and you, you need to have a plan. You need to just yeah. follow your plan. And I loved all of the tips that you had there. In fact, I may have to take them and put them in a blog for Backport Writer, just so you know. <laughs> I might just take those okay. and put them over there and give you full credit, of course. But I just thought they were so well thought out. Um, yeah. So saying that, what were some of your tips for other authors? Well, you know,
1: I think that one of the things that I struggled with, um, we had a very um, a very clear target of what we wanted to do with this book and who it was written for and who we were aiming it at. But one of the challenges that I had, we worked with a, a, a publicist, and i had a hard time getting her to understand the nature of the book and and who we were targeting so it was difficult because people there were a lot of people out there who are willing to help you but they have their own boil, their own boiler plates and they'll give you the whole boiler plate the whole action plan but it's theirs it worked for other people so they're assuming it'll work for you So you have to be just really aware of that, that your book may not be the typical uh, fit in a template and just follow these ABC marketing tips. If you start very clearly with what your audience is and focus on that, I found that even with this knowledge that while I was in the process of getting the book ready uh, to bring out into the world, I was getting inundated with all sorts of ideas from all all over the place about, oh, how to do this better, how to reach readers, how to sell more books, how to do this and that. And, of course, every time I saw something, I thought, well, wonderful, I need this, you know, it'll help me. Mm-hmm. And here I was mm-hmm. reading all these things and signing up for things and getting a little bit lost in it because it was too much information. And these were great ideas. But there were ideas that worked for other people with their own needs and their own specific audiences. So I think it's a little bit of a cautionary tale. Don't, when you step out into the world, before you do, before you get your book uh, ready to publish, spend a lot of time thinking about how you can reach the readers that you want to reach. Uh, And just keep that clear and foremost in your mind. I mean, we had some very surprising, surprising situations. My mother had an emergency crisis and was in the hospital, and she was selling books <laughs> in the hospital. And I know this sounds. I hear I I come I come rushing to the hospital, and it's you know, uh, it's in the emergency section, not the emergency care. She had already been admitted, uh, and everyone's quite busy, and a lot's happening, and. And here, uh, the nurses were playing the book trailer that we had created on their computer, and and my mom, and my mother is saying, "Oh, could you bring some books? All these nurses want to buy books." And it was, I was wondering, I thought, "Here, my mom is having a near-death experience, and she's selling our book." I mean, that, that's pretty amazing. So the, you know, I've never read anywhere a technique, a marketing technique of doing that. But the point is just to keep your eyes open and be very aware of who your readers are and where you find them. Of course, you know, the nurses are definitely part of the readership for this book and anyone interested in <laughs> end of life
0: issues. So
1: yeah, it was unexpected.
0: <laughs> your, your your description of your mother reminds me of, of uh, my godmother who is, this, she's, she, we just went to her 90th birthday party last week. <laughs> And she's oh. old an Italian, old Italian woman. And you would never know. When you look at this woman, you would never think she's 90 years old. It just wouldn't cross your mind. And she's that kind of personality. <laughs> she's just, yeah. oh, by the way, I have this. Oh, never mind the cough. It's, I'm fine.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. I'm not ready to die yet. I've got a book to sell. So I've <laughs> got things to do. <laughs> That's right, that's right. In another uh, incident I had, um, my husband was, uh, he's a photographer and a scratch artist and pencil artist and we were at an arts festival and he had a table uh, exhibiting his art and I just put the book on the corner of the table and it sold out and then I brought more the next day and they sold out (laughs) and it was totally unexpected because this was an art festival and people were just coming up and checking out the book. And so I think it's very helpful to keep your eyes open and think a little outside the box, but just never lose sight of your audience. And don't feel pressured by all these ideas out there that you have to do it this way, you have to do it that way. Uh, because there's many, many ways, you know, not just one.
0: Right, many paths.
1: Many, many paths, many paths. journeys in it. Every book is different.
0: Every Mm -hmm, book mm -hmm. is
1: different.
0: So, Irene, how can people find you if they want to find your book and, I don't know, your blog? How do they get to you?
1: Well, uh, so uh, it's my name, all together in one word, Irene, I-R-E-N-E. My last name is Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N. So, all together, IreneAllison.com. And uh, the book is available. The, I talk about the book on the website, of course, and it's available at Barnes and & Noble's and Amazon and uh, places like that. So shouldn't be too hard to find uh, through the online world anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, and if anybody's interested, they can always drop me a line if they want to chat
0: more about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, I, I just want to remind everyone in the audience who's listening that, um Charlene Jones, also who's been a guest on this show, similar vein as uh, the guest right now, Irene. You two should connect, by the way. Irene and Charlene, have. you need to meet. <laughs> you have? Awesome. We have. Yes, we have. She's awesome. wonderful. I just
1: love Charlene.
0: The, the whole time I was reading your blog, I was thinking, dang, she needs to meet Charlene. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, well, there you so go. Awesome. It's a small world. It is. Yeah. Of course, she is in Canada. Not that Canada is big or anything.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty huge,
0: hey? But it's just our neighborhood. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. But I'm, I'm going to Montreal in July. I'm very excited about that. So I'll be oh, there. Oh, I think you'll
1: love that. Yeah. I think he oh, will love
0: that. I will. I will love that's, that. That's I'll get fantastic. to practice some things. It'll be awesome. But I'm so glad you know Charlene. That's awesome. I read I read her book, too. And so I'm just like, oh, these two meet. <laughs> Oh, that's great. I'm glad you already know each other. That's awesome. So everybody needs to go check out Irene's book. It's say, Stay, Breathe With Me, The Gift of Compassionate Medicine. So we're on Amazon and everywhere else. Thank you, Irene, so much for being with me here. I kept you a little longer than I said. Sorry, but you had awesome things to share.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so much, Corey, and, and best luck to you and to everyone. Take thank care. Thank you. Have a great Bye-bye. night. bye You
0: too. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, go over to Amazon, check out her book, and it's Irene Allison. I Like I said, I love her blog, and her website's really cool, by the way. I mean, it just, it's designed, it's so peaceful. Let me put it that way. When you go to her website, you think, ah, oh, that sort of thing, and I like that. So go check that out, and her book's over on Amazon. As I said, it's at Barnes & Noble. It's in, you can find it everywhere, but it, it's stay Bring with me the gift of compassionate medicine. So that's it for tonight. Until next time, pull up a chair, says so, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackforceWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry.